Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Achieving Christian Thought podcast. I'm your host, Brian. Hey, thanks for listening in. This is Robert. Hey, I'm Zach. Join us for each episode as we apply the gospel to dive into the inner workings of the Christian faith. Are you agnostic or atheist and want to understand Christianity better? Want to learn more about Jesus? Discuss the differences between the modern and early churches? or maybe explore some of the Bible's most interesting characters, then we hope you'll join us in Achieving Christian Thought. All right, everyone. Uh, thank you for joining us. Welcome back to the Achieving Christian Thought podcast. Glad you could join us. I uh, really hope you all are enjoying the <coughs> podcast so far. Whatever uh, podcatcher you're listening to us on, definitely leave a like, leave a review, love to hear from you <clears throat> um back as always with zach and robert hey. and got Shana. some interesting uh an interesting topic the next episode or two oh, that we're going to go into so i read an interesting article earlier where a bunch of universities got together over several decades mm. and they found out that the number one leading cause of death is being born <laughs> whoa that's a good how much money they spend on that one right <laughs> i mean it was literally like a hundred percent of people who were born have either died or they can pretty safely say will die yeah. oh well um, at some point in their life <laughs> that's so, good i mean yeah that's pretty consistent so <laughs> but no uh we're gonna be talking about death um and uh i know kind of a macabre subject but um we're going to kind of go into, I guess, talking about what's the Christian view of death, I guess, even within some of the denominations and some of that, like, what do Christians believe? Like, what happens at the point of death, mm-hmm. I guess, from the perspective of a believer and a non-believer? Um, maybe talk about some stories. Maybe if we get into it, talk about like what other religions think about it. Um, and then probably lead into maybe the next episode or, or further down the road, probably talk about people that you see who have these stories of they died, they were clinically dead for however long. And they had all these like religious experiences before they were brought back and kind of dive into those. But um, yeah, just to kind of kick us off, uh, Zach, Robert, if you want to yeah. kick us off, we'll get started. Yeah. yeah. So that one thing that <clears throat> whenever you think about death, it's, it's, it's we as Americans have this weird fascination slash terror of death. Like whenever it's obviously us or someone we love or care about, is the most terrifying subject that we can ever think about or talk about because no one wants to deal with their own mortality. Um, but then but when it comes to other people or it comes to being, you know, like uh, a TV show or movie, like, you know, death is very, I won't say celebrated, but it's, it's very common. It's very popular. Um, and just kind of like... It's it's an interesting and strange, I don't want to say phenomenon, but I guess in a way that's kind of what it is. Like just how our fascination as a culture, like we go from 
if it's about us or our death or someone we care about, we're terrified to talk about it. But if it's somebody else's death or near death experience or what have you, then we're then we'll sit there and we'll consume it. We'll make movies of it. You know, we'll have TV shows of it. I mean, you know, this is kind of like a little side tangent, but um, it's like it's it's amazing. Like there's been car there's been kid cartoons uh, with death in it. I mean. There's uh, movies. I mean, it, the list goes on and on about how, like, and, and you think, like, we are just a, this culture that's fixated on death in in some respects, um, and it's it's a, fina- a, a fascinating and terrifying at the same time uh, uh, thing that I mean, uh, I guess culturally speaking, uh, thing that we do, um, and and. I feel like a lot of times we Christians uh, are scared to talk about death, um, like you know, because one we're dealing with our own mortality, and two, you know, it's like we we just don't want to talk about, it, we don't want to think about it. But the reality of it is, um, like like kind of like what you were saying, Brian, is like if you live in this, like if you live, you are born. You're going to die. That is the reality of it. Um, there's no like, oh, I'll take that back. I mean, the only thing for certain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> With the exception of Elijah, who was called up to heaven, and um, Enoch, I think there's another person that was called up to heaven. With the exception of those two people in the entirety of human history, they have, everyone has died. <laughs> So, um, however many billions of people that have existed in this world have and have died or will die uh, at some point, short of the second coming of Christ. Um, I mean, Jesus himself, he died. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he yeah. was born and he died. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's one thing that in Christianity, it's like, uh, well, before I let me back up. One of the fundamental, one of the fundamental questions of all religions that they either either try to answer or they claim to answer is what happens when you die um and christianity is no different from that um the difference is uh we had somebody come back and tell us you know kind of like what's gonna gonna happen um and because we know jesus we know who who he is he's god then we can trust his testimony and the things that he had to say about death. Um, so really quick, um, a lot of times people uh, uh, get, I don't want to say necessarily a false impression, uh, but oftentimes we Christians, uh, like I was saying earlier, we don't like to talk about it, we don't like to think about it. But the Bible does address it very clear, and um, they we it does talk about it. And the reason why I'm going to try to harp on this just a little bit um, is because the fact that so often we, church-believing people who love Jesus, don't like to talk about death. And, and because of that, there's almost, I want to say, a little bit of an immaturity when it comes to believers dealing with the issue of death because they don't want to talk about it. But the reality of it is like 
if you focus on the in the right way, it can really be a uh, a tool if you could think about it like that to how to actually talk to somebody about you know your faith, you know, because think about it like this: everybody's going to die. One hundred percent, as you've said, Brian, everybody's going to die. So it's like. Well, what do you think is going to happen when you die? Oh, that's interesting. Well, let me tell you, like, do you mind if I tell you what Jesus says about death? And then here you go. You lay it out. And just to kind of give you information about that, um, so uh, there's two places that you go. <laughs> there is heaven and there is hell. Uh, biblical uh, response for that for heaven is um, where Jesus says in John right before he's arrested and crucified he says I go to prepare a place for you so that where I am you may be also so this is a literal stance that heaven where Jesus is going if you believe in Jesus you will go to heaven as well if you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, heaven is your destination. And then the flip side of that is hell. Uh, we've talked about hell. We've talked about the reasons for hell. Don't really want to get into that again, but there it is. I mean, it's it's the it's the the uh, what do you call it? The elephant in the room. Uh, everybody goes one or two places. Um, there are some different variations of uh, certain, uh, I, don't want to, I guess you could call it uh, Catholicism, uh, who believe in purgatory. I think there's other denominations outside of Catholic Church that does that also. Uh, but so, but historically speaking, there's two places. The, the Bible directly talks about heaven and hell. So if you accept Jesus Jesus' uh, death, burial, and resurrection in your place. You know, you commit your life to Jesus. Your destination is heaven. You refuse to do that. You refuse to accept that. And your destination is hell. That's the the basic answers to that um, in a nutshell. Whether you're a believer or not, mm -hmm. whether you live to a ripe old age, you die of natural causes, you know, later in life, whatever, or you get hit by a bus and it's, you know, instant. Um, what does the Bible say? And I guess, ooh, excuse me. And what do different denominations, I guess, believe of, is it immediate? Are you all of a sudden, like you get hit by a bus and then pearly gates are in front of you mm -hmm. or, like, what does the Bible and what do different denominations say happens right at that moment mm -hmm. of death? And it's more of, if you're a non-believer, do you still go to heaven, you stand before the judgment of God, and then you're sent down? Or is it you get hit by that bus, you're a non-believer, and there's a lake of fire right in front of you, and you're being given the orientation of this is where you're going to be tormented for all of eternity. Ooh. So, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, <clears> a great <throat> way to, that's a great way to drag it out. Um, so basically, uh, of course, 
this is one of those topics you ask four or five different Christians and you can get four or five different answers. Mm-hmm. That's the fun part. <laughs> <laughs> because if we're going strictly off of Scripture, it says just enough for you to really know what's going on, but it does not really say much about the exact details of what it's like at the moment you pass away. Um, there are some uh, Christians that believe in something called soul sleep. They take uh, what Scripture calls, you know, you will sleep, you will rest. And um, I personally think these are all metaphors. Um, sleep, I mean, a, a dead body literally looks like it is sleeping. Jesus said it all the time. Mm-hmm. This person is just sleeping. And, of course, those Christians, they take that so literally to think that, well, they're laying there dreaming forever and ever. And I actually grew up in a family that believed in soul sleep, an extended family from uh, down south. They believed in soul sleep and i remember that freaking me out as a kid because (laughs) you know you're already antsy and don't want to take a nap at that age and i thought so you mean i could sleep and keep on sleeping for five thousand years i don't have the patience for that and so uh it would actually it actually gave me a moral terror of um death because i would go to funerals of family members and they would say things like oh He's just sleeping away. It's peaceful. It's happy. And I'd be like, oh, please, God, don't let me have to do that. I don't care how (laughs) sweet my dreams are. I'd rather get up. But uh, then there are those who believe in the um, immediate um, presence of Christ, that you are conscious, that you enter into his presence. And that is that's become my view of things, not just because I'm so scared to death of soul sleep, I refuse to believe in it. That's a weak <laughs> argument. I don't have faith in your soul sleep. <laughs> I mean, just imagine me teaching a theology class someday and my students scratching my head, their, their head, because, I mean, I'm up there thinking, nope, I don't want to do it, so I ain't gonna. That's my only reason for not believing it. They're, I mean, that's the, the whole thing is just watered down but there are actual instances in scripture that make me believe that that is not the case i really do believe that you are meant to be conscious the entire time we were designed to be conscious sleep is meant to be temporary one night is sleep enough and so uh we are meant to be in christ's presence from the moment we die i believe that and some scriptural ideas that um give me that that notion when I piece them together I mean you think about the person who the criminal who died on the cross yeah. next to Christ yeah. he said remember we remember me when you come into your kingdom and Jesus literally said today that's the word he used today you'll be with me in my kingdom and so with paradise. me in paradise yeah uh-huh. and uh so this this idea that uh if Jesus was really intent on keeping that promise when he said it 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 would make sense for the criminal to wake up in paradise that very day when he passed. Could you imagine being crucified? Like it, Jesus died. These and you know, like he he suffered a death before, you know, you know, he, like his his body died before. But with these guys, they their legs were broken. Yeah. So could you imagine the ag- agony of being crucified? One of the most horrible ways to one die. One of the most horrible ways to die. And then, like, oh, well, he's not dying fast enough. Break his legs. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. can you go from that torturous agony to paradise? Paradise. Mm-hmm. With Christ forever and ever. And he got a taste of what the apostles would have to wait several more years to do 
and his was what you would call a deathbed conversion. Like he, mm-hmm. he didn't feel any desire to follow Christ until right there at the end. And I really do think the way Jesus died literally gave testimony to the guy. So like, oh, there's something about this guy, mm-hmm. the peace with which he is suffering this stuff. Mm-hmm. And so uh, he looked at Christ, and he was willing to accept the idea that this was the Messiah. And not just Messiah, but Lord and God, when he said, when you come into your kingdom. Like, he just, in that moment, he got it more than any of the religious leaders, Mm. simply because the trauma of torture was teaching them this stuff. Mm. But um, also, there's what Paul talks to us about. Um, There's a passage in his letters where, either first or second Corinthians, he talks about the tent as a metaphor for the body. And he talks about how um, it is not good for a human to go without his tent. Um, we, were, we were made to be physical beings. And so there's this idea that when we have no physical body, we're okay, but we're not at an ideal spot. We are not ready to, um, we're not fully content yet. And so he talks about this idea that when you pass, you are in the presence of God with no tent. That's little h heaven, the temporary heaven. Now, if, you've, if you're listening to this and you've never heard of the difference between a temporary and a permanent heavens, you might be scratching your head. But the idea that uh, when you die, you will go to the temporary heaven and you'll wait the day when you have a body once again. And so he talks about uh, we're anxious to receive that body because we're meant to live in one. And so he says that he's, we're going to re- have that tent replaced with an imperishable tent, with a, bi- a much bigger, more grandiose tent than we could ever imagine. And so it's at his final coming, and the end of days, that's when we're going to receive this um, eternal heavenly body, this tent. And once again, we will be fully physical creatures again, and then we will finally be fully content in our sinless state because we'll be living the way we're we were created to live as creatures. And uh, so we've got that on top of Paul's other statements in, uh, I believe it's Philippians, where he says, you know, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And there's so much loaded in the statement. He basically says to be alive right now, to continue to live, means to serve him and do what he's called me to do. But to die would be gain because today, he says, today I would be in the presence of the same God who revealed himself to me on the road to Damascus. And so he's talking about this idea that his thoughts are back and forth. He wants to stay, but he wants to go. He wants to serve, but he wants to be uh, reunited with his king. And so all these things point to the idea that, you know, philosophically, scripturally, historically, we were meant to be immediately put into his presence consciously without skipping a beat and that that is one thing that um i think has failed to capture our imaginations not just as modern um, especially americans but uh modern people but um modern christians as well is we don't think of death as um you know a blink uh, from one thought to the next, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. um, we will. You know, you imagine you're walking down the hall. There's the moment you begin walking, and you pass each every each and every room, and then eventually you get to the end of that hallway, and you can just. And I mean, you're just living your life. You can think something that simple. 
your brain working as you go down that hall. But to think that we can pass from one state of life to the next state of life that seamlessly and just keep going about your day after you've passed it is something that does not capture our imaginations very much because our view of death in particular in general uh, believers and non-believers we have this very very dreamlike thought about it we think there's <clears throat> going to be very hard to see we think it's going to be full of smoke think it's going to be full of you know little angelic beings or little lights and you relive your whole life right before yeah. you die you know yeah you go thing. to a movie theater and you know you watch mm. 60 years of me mm. and and i mean just these ideas that they started with um i would say some pagan ideas the the idea of uh, ancient greece was you're a separate soul trapped inside of a body and oh. death lets you be set free well, Judeo-Christian thought always said that you're a whole person, like the spirit and the body are all part of the same person, um, that, you know, separate one from the other and you're incomplete. And so this whole idea from the ancient Greeks was, you know, you can be just a spirit trapped inside a body that, that's not really you. And that spawned this idea that death can be very, very ghostly, very hyper spiritual um the idea of the underworld was meant to be this place that had no reflection of anything we could imagine it was almost like the bottom of a big chasm but it kind of carried over into the christianized version of europe that we see in history as people started taking those ideas applying them to christian christian themes and so then you have the same concept but with jesus there instead of hades and so you have the christianized underworld where you still go into this little uh, hyper mystical place and you look at the art of the middle ages you know the little naked babies flying around shooting arrows into the sky and <laughs> cupid cupid and everything's so bright you can't even see where you're going you just keep walking and shield your eyes from it and of course movies pick that up and that's where we get most of our ideas now or tv shows and movies that depict heaven this way and it's almost gotten to the point where there are believers sincere believers that they can wait until they get to heaven like you hear that i can't wait to get where i'm going well most of us think that deep down we think that heaven will be bland for that very reason mm-hmm. it's mm. like you know what it's it's like mm. an an open playground with nothing to do it's just a solid sheet of cloud and you just can walk in any direction you want to and it's just more cloud forever it's just a sea of cloud or you'll play a harp forever. yeah i was gonna say i gotta learn how to play a harp <laughs> for eternity well you got if uh, you yeah. don't know how to play you got all eternity to learn yeah I do <laughs> yeah and so we have these ideas in our heads that they really quench our appetite for heaven i mean this idea that you can be a child of God, you can actually be adopted into the kingdom, you can have faith in Christ, and yet death still terrifies you, not because of death itself. That can be a natural fear. Death itself is not natural. It's a curse from sin, the sinful fall, but the idea that the reason you fear and dread death is because you secretly fear and dread the heaven that's waiting for you forever and ever and ever and ever and you're trapped and you, it's like being in an elevator that with really wide walls you can go anywhere but where else are you going to go and i mean it's mm. almost like claustrophobic heaven it's like 
who else are you going to be up there with? You're just going to be wandering around aimlessly like ghosts saying hey to each other over and over. And hallelujah. <laughs> hallelujah. Who's excited? Nobody really. And if that's your idea of heaven, of course you're going to go through your life just with a very, very vanilla view of what the afterlife is meant to be. You know, just as a side, I wonder, I want, you know, I wonder if the enemy has really attacked the concept of heaven so much and made it what we think it is. Oh, yeah. Like purposefully so that we are more excited about being here on this side than instead of being with our Savior who saved yeah. us. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, there's no doubt in my mind that he, he's having a field day with that view because it makes us more timid. It makes us less bold. It makes us less joyful. Um, it really makes us, you know, more of everything negative and less of everything positive when you think of what a Christian is supposed to be. Mm. Because I once uh, read a book by someone, Ted Decker. Mm. He's a Christian fiction author. And he did write one nonfiction book saying that we have done a shameful job redeeming the imagination. And he's literally talking about the idea of heaven. Um, deep down, we actually think of it more as a cute idea to teach our kids than we do an actual reality that's waiting for us out there. And he said, instead of exercising our imagination to think of what heaven will be like someday, we, it's like we've become afraid to exercise our imagination too much in case we think something that's false about heaven and it's offensive to God. And he said, we... We don't dishonor God by trying to imagine heaven. We dishonor God when we refuse to imagine it, and we actually allow this world to become much more important than the world to come. Mm -hmm. And Peace so, yeah. uh, C.S. Lewis quote, um, he said one time, if you aim for heaven, you'll get earth thrown in, but if you aim for earth, you'll get neither. And so this concept of just... Robert? <laughs> you might be experiencing death. All right. <laughs> I think we touched a nerve <laughs> with that. It's a demon uh, ray to kill me for it. <laughs> <laughs> Oof, but, uh, We're exposing too many secrets. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> We're spitting too much fire. Um, but uh, No, sorry for those of you listening, if I don't end up cutting this out. We're sitting yeah. in a church office, and the uh, light right overhead just went out and like, just popped loudly. Like literally, as Robert was talking, <laughs> just like, "Whoop, Satan's upset." <laughs> Goodness. So yeah, touched a nerve. All right. Oh yeah. But uh, <laughs> backing up <laughs> out from under that thing. But um, this idea that uh, man, where was I? It, the, the demon did its job, but uh, <laughs> but this idea that um, heaven is going to be you know so much bigger and better than we could imagine. <clears throat> oh, that's what it was. The C.S. Lewis quote: "This idea that you know if you live for this life alone, you are never going to find the true fulfillment that's waiting for human beings that are who are willing to live for the life to come." And Another lie is that if we live for the next life, we're never going to be able to enjoy the life that's currently here. And so it's it's interesting that humans always tend to sway from one end of the spectrum to the other. You're either yeah. someone, you're so heavenly minded, you're afraid to care too much about this world, 
or you're so mindful of this world right here that you're never ever mindful of what's to come at all and we're meant to have kind of a balance you are supposed to care about this world precisely because the next world matters Mm -hmm. you're meant to want to make a difference you're meant to want to preserve resources you're meant to want to take care of um, life in general plant life animal life uh, especially human life made in god's image uh, in need of a savior and so because the new world is coming it was made by the same god who designed the world that we are in we get to uh, uh, fulfill god's mission for us right here on this earth while we wait for the one to come and the rewards that are come, going to come to us in God's own presence. And so, backing off what Zach said, we tend to live in a world where you're either bored to death of it, you're, you just don't care about it, you just never think about it, or it's all you think of, but you have this hyper-spiritual view of what heaven is meant to be that causes you to neglect this world altogether. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and to neglect one for the other isn't correct you know it's like you want to like they're like the tension that you had mentioned before with paul how he's like you know to live here is to serve it's to serve the church it's to serve your family and your community and and things of that nature but the flip side of that is if is if you go and you're with jesus <laughs> you're still nervous about that <laughs> and, and but you, you, so it's like it's like you're capturing Paul's tension there that same concept that same idea and and I feel like um when we when we have the right perspective on that um those things are in the proper ten- they have the proper tension like you're not so bored with the concept that of heaven or the the terror of hell. I mean, that's one thing that I come to mind. Um, we we might talk a little bit more about some of these near death experiences in the next episode, but um, the 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 fear of hell is a terrifying thought, and I I feel like just like as how Satan has potentially uh, attacked the church to make us bored of what um, heaven is going to be like. I wonder if he's not also kind of attacked the biblical idea of what hell is so that people don't fear it properly. And, oh, yeah, hell's not that bad. Let's go. Yeah, we can party. Yeah, that's not what's going to happen. You can sin as much as you want. Yeah. Just full of just debauchery and just you can get away with anything. Yeah, and... that's not how it is. <laughs> yeah. No, not at all. <laughs> you don't want to go there. I mean, no. you might not want to be at church and you might hate God and that's where you're going to go, but you don't want to go. <laughs> oh, yeah. Promise. <laughs> It's not a it's not a it's not a field trip that you wanna stay at. No or um, no go ahead. Oh you're fine. But yeah, I mean I I just I wonder like if our concepts of that, you know, uh, of heaven and hell have been heavily influenced by the enemy so that way we can never like we don't articulate our longing for heaven and our fear of hell. Because if we truly had a biblical understanding of what hell is we would be, you know, a lot more serious about seeing the people that we love and care about not going there. Um, and I feel like because that's, you know, obviously people who choose to, you know, not be with God, they choose to be in hell. 
that's where they want to go. But, you know, it's it's with a weeping heart that we should uh, mm. try to reach out to those people. And I think that's really where we need to be at as a as a congregation as a uh as a as a ministry potentially is to just share the truth share the truth of what the bible teaches and where it doesn't actually um like where there's still some question marks where there's still some fuzziness where you know because robert was saying like you know there there are some things that we don't know but there are some things that we do know and we focus on those things that we do know and not that we don't have our opinions of the things that we don't understand or we don't know, but we just focus on the things that we know Scripture says and what it actually teaches. That way we can remain in the uh, the truth, and that way we don't get caught up in some weird um, cult-slash-Christian cult thing that has everything right except for the concept of death or something like that. We definitely don't want to be in, in that camp. Um so I would just encourage um, encourage those listeners out there to, it sounds kind of morbid, but actually think of death. Think about where would you go? Where, like, like if you're not a believer, does the thought of hell actually terrify you? Or are you kind of like, meh, hell. Indifferent. Indifferent, yeah. you know, like, I don't really care one way or the other. Uh, and I would just ask you to think about that and meditate on that and ask the question why that is. If you're if you're a believer and you're more excited about um, going and hanging out with your buddies at a movie theater or a bar or wherever versus going and hanging out with Jesus in heaven. <clears throat> with all the other believers of the past ages like i mean we get fired up about you know we get excited about going to church it's like that is going to be like uh, a church service on steroids is what heaven's going to be like so it's like uh, we should be more excited but i digress a little bit from that but just ask yourself the, uh, the question where do you truly wish to go where do you think that you're going and why do you think the emotions that you have regarding those things are those is that way if that makes sense why if you're so bored about the thought of heaven why are you bored is it actually are you actually bored with it or maybe are you allowing your emotions to like like you're not focusing on it from the biblical perspective. And if you're not a believer um, and you don't fear hell, why don't you fear it? Is it because you don't believe in it? Or is it because you think something else besides that? I mean, like maybe some other idea of what hell or heaven or whatever is out there besides what the biblical uh, understanding is. I mean, why, why do you not fear it or what are your thoughts on it? Because, you know, once you actually dwell on these things and you ask yourself the question, it makes you actually stop and think about the ramifications of it. You know, um, if if you're a believer, it's like, well, I'm going to be with Jesus from forever and ever and ever. 
Now, there might be a transition time where we get the new body and all those things, and I get that. But, you know, are you excited about that, or are you bored with it? And if so, why? That's just kind of my thought, because, you know, Paul was excited about going. I mean, he he made the point of the, the talking about the tension, kind of like we talked about before, kind of like what Robert talked about before, where he didn't know what he wanted. He knew that he could serve if he was here, and he also knew that he could be with the Lord. And so for us, modern-day Christians, we get caught up in our serving here, not what we could do on the other side, because we think about it just being, um, like, you know, Robert said what um, Brian here said, you know, like it's just an elevator, you know. We're just endless clouds playing the harp or what have you. And I would just encourage us all, myself included, just to kind of ask yourself the question of where are you now and why does it matter? And the question, allow it to, you know, allow yourself to marinate on that and think about where you want to go and where you want to be and how to get there because it does matter. Uh, You know, heaven is a place that is real. And it will exist. I mean, it does exist. Excuse me. Um, but it is a place that you can go and you can be with God. Or the other side, you can go and not be with God and be in a place that is not a very good place that you uh, will not be looking forward to going. Um, so I just encourage you to think about that and consider uh, where you are and where you want to be and, and why do you want to be where you're going like if that makes sense like if you if you're okay with going to hell i mean like are you really like if if, just imagine if like if hell and heaven are the two options like objectively speaking if those things are true not just because we me and brian and and robert say it is true but if it's actually objectively true that you have one of two places and if you're not following jesus if you reject jesus as a savior I mean, are you okay with the concept of hell or not? Uh, because that's that's a, a very important question. And I mean, even if you're agnostic, like if you're true to yourself, if you just don't really know, you know, whether you believe or not. Like, and I'm not saying that believing in Christ is a gamble, but kind of just like, why would you take that chance? Mm-hmm. Like, even if there's a little, even the slightest possibility mm-hmm. that what we're saying is true yeah, and you're on the fence of, I don't know if I really believe this or not, or, uh, you know, whatever. It's like, why, why would you put your eternal soul why why would you risk it right. to not make that step of faith? Mm-hmm. Like, I can understand. Well, I can't understand. But people who are adamant, they've made their choice. There is no God. There is no Jesus. It's all a bunch of crock. It's, you know, I mean, they made their choice. If they're not going to be swayed, you know, that's their, that's their choice. Mm-hmm. And that's the free will aspect. But... I, I guess I don't understand like being on the fence about it yeah. of if there's even the tiniest chance that you would you would believe go ahead and, and, and make that choice like oh, yeah. 
and and be sincere about it. I'm not saying, you know, you're hedging your bets and you're just going to say the prayer and not believe because, you know, he knows yeah. if you're not sincere. That's you're not you're gonna, not going to slip past. Yeah. You're, yeah. You're, you're not going to slip through the back door of heaven um, <laughs> on a technicality. Yeah. But I mean, you know, I, 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 I could not imagine gambling my soul on that of just like, well, I'll, it's probably not true, but yet it could be true. So. Well, yeah. you know, I want to sew my oats a little bit more. <sighs> the next thing you know, you're car wreck and dead. Yeah. I mean, that's the, I mean, we don't like to think of, I mean, this is a flip side of, of, of death. You know, it's like, we don't want to talk about this aspect of it, but the reality of it is none of us know, you're not guaranteed a ripe old age yeah. dying in your deathbed surrounded yeah. by your loved ones yeah. and you just peacefully go. Yeah. Mm. Or even like, like mm. one minute you could literally be like walking out of a building and get hit by a car. Walk, just walking out. Of the, I mean, like some freak accident happens and like there's even stairs and all this and that. But then like somehow some guys speeding down the road you know, flips his car, and as it flips, it just happens to take you out as you're walking out of a building. I oh, mean, I know a guy who is perfectly fine. Everything. It, talk to him on a Friday. Um, that Saturday afternoon, he was mowing the grass, had a heart attack, died immediately right there on the spot. Whoa! Like just it. It's over. Yeah. Just you're mowing your grass. You're doing a mundane chore not thinking a thing of it and then all of a sudden it's over yep so like you're not guaranteed anything mm-hmm. we are not guaranteed the next breath the next no, yeah. heartbeat yeah. Uh, i mean literally yeah. i mean this guy wasn't yeah he was not guaranteed that next heartbeat yeah. um and i think to kind of go back to a point that you kind of made um zach is um the the comfort that the bible provides of just like so let's say a close family member a parent a grandparent a sibling spouse whoever if they truly believed and you and you know that they truly believed Mm -hmm. like death is is death of a loved one is going to be hard on all of us Mm -hmm. but the comfort that that brings of knowing, you know, they're in an infinitely better place. Like they're no longer suffering. Like they're living the perfect existence. You know, I I don't know. To me, that is just so much of a comfort. Mm -hmm. Now people who, you know, I don't know if they were saved or not, or people that, you know, you, you may know that were not saved then death does have a really big sting because mm-hmm. you're i mean that's a that's a thing to mourn over yeah. Oh, yeah but i really and i'm i'm not saying that the death of a christian you know you shouldn't mourn it's okay to be sad but at the same time that's such a that should be such a relief mm-hmm. that should be such a joy to you and that yeah. should give you so much comfort mm-hmm. of knowing you know even though you're going to miss them mm-hmm. uh that person they are 
so much better off now mm-hmm. of, of where they are than if they were here. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. and that's just such a good comfort. Well, and, and I think another thing that's important to also keep in mind with Christianity is like, you know, there's so many different ideas of afterlife and different religions, but Christianity, you do not cease to exist. You don't join mm-hmm. God. You don't, you know, whatever. You actually remain who you are. Oh, yeah. As yeah. an individual, um, which is comforting. That means, like, like what you're talking about, like, if, if your wife or your husband dies, you know, and they're a Christian and, and you're a Christian, and then you will see each other again in heaven uh, or your children or what ha- whatever uh, family member or friend will have you. It's like they have a te- they've temporarily moved from this state, like wherever state you live in or whatever country you live in, to another country, and that you're one day you're going to move there too. It's just between now and then you have a life to live and you have a ministry to do, and and when you look at it from that perspective, knowing that you're going to see that person again, like like. If you imagine, like, me and Robert, I've known Robert for years, and, you know, if something happened to me or something happened to him, you know, like, we like knowing that one day that we'll be up in heaven making jokes and being stupid, uh, you know, like how <laughs> nine-tenths of the time we are when me and him get together, I mean, we're like, you know, we're, we're accomplices and, and tomfoolery. <laughs> and, yeah, you're going to miss that person, yeah. but when you look at the uh, – when, when you think about how long eternity is mm-hmm. – Oh, yeah. The few decades that you're here in this existence mm-hmm. is nothing. Yeah. It's oh, meaningless yeah. Oh, yeah. In, in the grand scale. Yeah. Well, and you it know. moves so fast. I mean, it seemed like yesterday I was 20, like, yeah. you know, or 18, 19, getting out of high school. And now I'll be like, this November I'll be 40. And it's like, holy good night, I'm almost 40. Two. You know, I mean, my parents, they, my mom died when she was 49. My dad died when he was 54 you know it's like so it's like i'm catching up to my parents right before they pass i mean you know it's like it's crazy to, th- to think about stuff like well that, it was just quick. it was just like uh, uh the other sunday you know i uh or mother's day yeah you know i said to your wife you know this is going to be your first mother's day thinking you know no way it's it's been more than just a year right, since your right. son was born and it's been how many years? Yeah, he's turned three. Yeah, like yeah. I couldn't believe it had been three years. <laughs> like that blew my mind. Yeah, that three years have already passed, yeah. and I was, I, I, I was having a hard time believing. Oh that, no, I, you know? I know. Trust me. Like how how fast that goes by, and it's, yeah, it's, like as a Christian, like we sing about it. There's a lot of songs and there's a lot of prayers and everything that's out there of saying death has no sting. You know, that's a common phrase or defeated death. And it's just like, when you actually stop to think about it, like that is true. Like as a Christian, I think our, our sinful nature kind of keeps it in the back of our mind, but we no longer have to fear death. Mm Mm-hmm. It, I mean, and no one knows, you know, I don't know what it's like to die. And I don't know, you know, what is going to happen the instant I die. 
I don't know if it's going to be painful or whether it's going to be whatever, mm-hmm. but it's it's like it's it's just going into a new phase, mm-hmm. you know, it's starting a new job, it's moving to a new house. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's it shouldn't be anything that you stress or worry over. Right. Mm-hmm. And that really hit me what you said, uh, Robert, of some people I guess the way culture has presented heaven of people oh, yeah. can actually fear it or not be excited about it. Yeah. Like I've never thought about that perspective of how some people like Christians could be like, eh, I could take it or leave it. Like oh, it's, yeah. it's nice to go there, you know, but it's better than the alternative, <laughs> but I'm not in like a hurry or anything oh, like yeah. that blows me away. Oh, right? I know. And it's sad. I mean, to think, especially like to take what I said and add it to Zach, you know the idea that hell is exciting and heaven is uh, is dreadful, it's boring. If yeah. I mean, if culture has things to where you dread going to heaven more than you do going to hell, I mean that is exactly what Satan would want. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's he's one at he's, that point. He's, oh, he's, he's got gotcha. thrilled. Yeah, I mean this might be dinged for copyright, but uh, the, I don't know the name of it. But the country song um, I've heard people listen to on the radio every now and then. It says everybody wants to go go to heaven, but nobody wants to go now. It's like why? Because when you go to heaven, all your fun stops. It's like, oh. I mean, that is not a healthy view to view of heaven at all. That's right. not, that is not God's heart for you to think. Oh no! And the spirit, uh, the spirit and the bride say, "Come," and I say, "No, maybe tomorrow." I mean, this idea that you know, I want to come to Christ. I want to spend eternity in heaven. When I'm old. When I'm old, I would much <laughs> rather you know have a family first retire first i would rather have there's so many things i still have left to do before i go yeah yeah so much left to do and of course if you take um certain views of the rapture seriously and that's a different discussion for another episode or never maybe but um (laughs) if it's really going to be in the blink of an eye scripture does say that regardless of details there are going to be people right in the middle of their lives when the end comes they're going to be teenagers mm-hmm. trying to graduate from school. There are going to be people at work hoping to get that next promotion soon. People are going to be preparing for that next holiday. People are going to be hoping to buy the newest car because the old ones run down. People are going to be wanting to buy a new house so they can make room for the kid that's coming. Pregnant women are going to be anticipating birth when the end comes. And there are going to be a lot of Christians, I really do believe, sincere saved Christians, who are going to get raptured, caught, snatched up, whatever it looks like. They're going to be dis- for a split second in the flesh. They're going to be disappointed that their current life got interrupted, and that is not going to be very healthy. I'm sure. Now the presence of God is going to cure that real quick, yeah. but that initial feeling of being caught up. There's there's going to be Christians who get it. They're going yay. Then there are those who are going to hear that are, trumpet sound. No, not yet, not yet. I'm going to finish my Whopper first. I paid twelve dollars for this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're going to go up with that last I'm in the middle of this Call of Duty match. (laughs) I can't pause it. (laughs) I just bought the PlayStation 26. I'm unboxing it. Uh, Let me plug it in first. And the wait list for six months. (laughs) Now, really? Really? Now. now. And I think it's just (laughs) kind of an epidemic for all of us in the West. We're so comfortable. We really do live our lives with all of our focus on the current life that we're living right now and it shouldn't be but it's almost universal mm-hmm. at least for in certain seasons of life 
we kind of go to sleep spiritually mm-hmm. and you know we're more concerned about um certain things in our earthly ministries we're more concerned about um raising you know kids we're more concerned about uh holding our steady jobs which of course those things are important i'm not going to tell you to disregard those that's a cult oh well robert said to do it so we're gonna do it (laughs) (laughs) but the point being we're going to focus on all of those things exclusively when we go to sleep spiritually right right and when it's it's when god tries to bring you back into focus back to scripture back to prayer back to those things it really kicks you over the head because you've gone to sleep so completely I mean, think about how annoying the traditional alarm clock is. Oh, my oh, I can be wide awake at 3 in the afternoon. I've been trained to hate the sound of that. Oh, I know. Oh, there's, there's, a, there's That's the worst sound. It's the <laughs> worst sound known to man and known to, like, half the monkeys on Earth. So, <laughs> But, I mean, there's a lady where there's a lady at my day job. She's got the office next door, and she set an alarm for 2 o'clock so she can remember to take care of some task for her job every day. And you can hear it through the wall that, and sometimes she's not there to turn it off. I know who you're talking about. And I can feel, I can feel my fingernails scrape down my own keyboard as my fingers curl at the sound of this screeching, terrible, you know, it's like a demon bat from Hades. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) And it's just a little beep, 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 beep. And it's just the rage that it sends me into. I want to punch a kitten. I mean, what? It's just some random horrible example of being okay. a bad person, but okay. <laughs> the rage that I said, that I go into, but uh, but uh, but my point being the rude awakening that that happens with a simple sound. There are times when we go to sleep so completely, even if we're in the rhythm of ministry, mm-hmm. we can witness to somebody, preach a sermon, teach a class raise our own kids with a family devotion and still be asleep on the inside. Mm-hmm. You're going through the motions. You're just running off of what you already know. You're not learning anything new. You're not going any deeper. And then all of a sudden a tragedy hits or a sudden change occurs at your church. That's literally my my story as we record this. Or uh, you have an issue at home or in your bank account, something that yanks the rug out from under you and God is just using it to wake you back up to mm. make sure you stay on that path. Mm. And when it does, it is such a rude awakening. The rage that can hit you in that moment, I really do wonder if some people will feel that in the moment that they get raptured or in the moment that they might start to uh, pass away in an accident, something that was unprepared for, like your friend's heart attack. Even though they might know Christ, if that happens during one of our sleepy seasons, God forgive us, God help us live our lives in such a way that we're actually going to anticipate that God is telling the truth when he uses such positive words for this place, joy, happiness, uh, pleasures forevermore. And the reason that this thing is so pleasurable is simply because God's own presence is there. Is he enough? That's a question for every last one of our hearts. There's one question in this hour or so that we've been talking, and in the last five minutes we have of this, I want you to address it because I just think it's a fun topic the and it would no. be a great yeah <laughs> whatever it's gonna be yeah <laughs> sorry <laughs> no that's that's fair no um, no um 
And speaking of unfinished business, that's a great way of segueing <laughs> into this. So one thing that you say a lot is when people find out that you're a pastor, uh, oh, one of the few things yeah. start happening. And one of the things that you say people start doing when they find out, they immediately start telling you all the paranormal stories that they have. So immediately. So how does Christianity explain all these darned ghost sightings that everybody seems to have mm. and like is the spirit of grandma still tucking me in at night or well, tell you can what. i smell if, can if i smell grandpa's cologne or whatever anything anything <laughs> tucking you in at night that is not a family member that is alive visible or invisible <laughs> you best be moving you I'm need a young you priest like, and an old priest <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I need every denomination to send their clergy <laughs> send your brightest and best to my house uh, no. oh. <laughs> there better not be anything anything like straight up mammal uh uh-uh. uh <laughs> I don't care how sweet you were in life you're spooky <laughs> Darling, uh, i love you no <laughs> uh but yeah uh it's what you it's true what you said brian i've said off the air to these two guys at my day job um i'm bivocational at my day t- job every time I, someone finds out i'm a pastor the two things that always happen without fail is all of a sudden these people become allergic to swear words in case I go off flying off the handle at the slightest little wordy dirt. And then they immediately want to share all their paranormal stories. And they ask me the same thing. It's like, how do you fit this? And they'll say, I've always grown up believing in the Bible, believing in Jesus to some level, but this happened. How do you explain that? And I won't lie. Talking to people about paranormal is actually one of most my, my most exciting conversations just because it is such a wide open segue in our pop oh, culture. Yeah. Turn on Disney Plus for 5 minutes, you'll see ghost hunters, UFOs, catching Bigfoot, mystical tornadoes, the Loch Ness monster, spaceman. I mean, just, I'm just making this up now, but uh, our pop culture sort of. only sort of our culture is so fascinated by this. Mm-hmm. And the frustrating thing and the exciting thing is we do not have all the answers. We do know that there are such things as angels, demons, things for God, things against God, and Yahweh, the Father of Christ, God, the triune God who reigns over all creation. He is in charge and ruling over all of these entities, whatever they look like or sound like, but we don't know any of the details, almost to a frustrating uh, amount because we only get the tiniest glimpse into what's beyond uh, the into the realm that's not seen. One of the questions is, you know, if they're real, why does the Bible talk about them so little? It's, I mean, the honest answer is the Bible is addressed to us. It's the story of how we can be saved. What Jesus did for us, God became a man. He didn't become an angel or a demon. He became a man, and so. Of course, it's going to focus mostly on us, but every now and then, certain spirits do set into the storyline. And what we can say absolutely for certain is under God's sovereign, everlasting rule over everything, seen and unseen, there is such thing as an unseen realm. Some things are for him, some things are against him. And the entire uh, spiritual realm, whatever's out there, they all fall into that black and white camp. You're either for the maker or you're against the maker. Now, the story of ghosts, and I've had coworkers 
share just about any story under the sun. I know one man, he said he was driving home from a third sh uh, third shift job uh, in the crack of morning. It was still dark. And he said he swears he saw a woman in a flapper dress standing in the road, and he drove right through her. Another coworker said that he was walking up the driveway when he was 12 years old, and his neighbor was standing, next door neighbor was standing in the door, next door, and he waved at the neighbor and then found out that the neighbor had passed away. I mean, you know, these small, subtle things. And uh, usually, and I don't know if people would agree with me, but usually I'm prone to believe people unless they have some kind of money to gain, if they're on TV for it. I don't know about that. But when people share it on the fly, on the street, I'm prone to believe their experience because they have nothing to gain. I mean, they have everything to lose if I think they're nuts. Mm -hmm. And... um the the truth is a lot of this stuff is demonic it's things that hate humans trying to deceive humans mm -hmm. there could be other things involved with it um is it possible that god could allow a saved grandparent great-grandparent to at least breeze through and visit to see what a grandchild's up to i'm not going to say that's unbiblical we don't know but the big clinger to that is I tell people to be very, very careful because it's almost always something wicked trying to deceive you. Mm -hmm. Something, especially when it's timed and orchestrated. I remember stories like, you know, somebody's grandma passes away and they start to walk down the hallway and they see the, the backside of grandma's frame like just as she goes around the corner. Like that was timed perfectly for you to see that. That is when I'm thinking something's trying to deceive you. Something is trying to make you uh, become very fixated on, you know, occultist ideas outside of the gospel. It's literally trying to cash in on your pain right now, and you need to be very careful. But uh, the big takeaway is there is absolutely a spiritual realm, and when people experience those things, especially nowadays when we grow grow up in this naturalistic culture that's all science or nothing, all physical or nothing, people are a lot more open to the idea that there could be something out there that's unseen just because science itself cannot put it in a test tube and run tests on it what whoa <laughs> did i just blaspheme against the cult but <laughs> but just because it's out there and it's beyond the reach of science does not mean it's not real mm -hmm. i mean something can be totally real right this very moment and it might simply just fall outside of science's own bounds. It's a phenomenal thing, science, but it does have its limits like everything else. Um, you know, you've heard that we've only explored 20% of the ocean. We've probably only explored, you know, half of 1% of what's actually out there unseen that God knows about. He created, He he's in charge of it, either to command them or judge them. And he just asks us to trust him in the meantime. So I'm always open to have these conversations, hear these stories, and just use that as a leeway to say there is a creator king who reigns over that thing, whatever that thing was. If it was evil, maybe grandma came to visit. Don't bank on it. Um, it's possible, but it's usually something wicked. But, uh, you know, don't look around at the ghosts. Look up at, you know, the king who says that he's above them. And you'll be okay. And people, when you're willing to listen and use it as a channel instead of immediately just, oh, you're crazy, or, oh, that's just wicked, don't even talk about that. I mean, when you're willing to use that as an entryway, I've so far people have been a lot more open to discuss 
what I believe. Because mm-hmm. uh, if I said, oh, no, don't, we're not going to talk about that. That superstitious gypsy stuff. I mean, <laughs> and I've heard that before from other Christians. Well, they think, well, I can go, that can go both ways. And they slam that door in the person's face, and you never get the chance to witness. Yeah. And so if you use those opportunities correctly, Christians out there listening, you really can turn those conversations around to gospel conversations if you're willing to be patient. Um, uh, if anyone's ever heard, I think I've actually recommended his book, but there's a, a former Bible professor named Michael Heiser. He wrote a book called The Unseen Realm. It's it, Whether you agree or disagree with anything in his book, he's, he's not infallible, but uh, the book itself is phenomenal. He devoted his whole career to studying ancient languages and the ancient cultures and what they believed about the spirit realm. Uh, he's a believer, obviously, but uh, from uh, the perspective of the ancient Israelites and their neighbors' views of things. And I actually listened to a short lecture of his based on the content of the book. And um, he actually shared a story where his own parents gave him a call in the middle of the night. And um, that, this is his story to tell, not mine. But long story short, they were that his parents had gone to a funeral for her own dad. So it was his great-grandpa. And they called him while he was at the school where he was teaching, and they asked him, how do you explain what they just experienced? Uh, he said, they said they went to the funeral came home and they started to get into the bed and they had an old-fashioned clock where um, at the hour it would strike the hour and it would actually have some kind of a phrase come out of a speaker and it was like a wind-up toy it was always a rotation of the same phrases and he said that particular night as they got into bed instead of one of its usual phrases that was pre-recorded they heard the just as soon as they started to settle in and get quiet for the night they heard the speaker on the clock say a phrase that the dead man that they had just buried was known to say throughout the years. And so they said that this phrase came out of the speaker, and that was it. Like nothing else, it's just the phrase happened, and they were both wide awake for it, and they jumped out of bed and called their son because he's the Bible answer guy. Well, I tell you what, that clock would be out of the house. <laughs> It'd be like, guess out. Get, do, oh, yeah. and Get behind me, Satan. <laughs> And I've probably made everyone curious, but the phrase, I'll just go ahead and say it by now, but the phrase was, don't worry, honey, everything will be all right, all right, all right. That's what they said that her dad would say when she was younger. They got into bed. The speaker said this out of the clock, and no more noise. one of its programmed phrases. No, (laughs) no, and they both jumped out of bed and turned on all the lights like they didn't get any sleep that night. And he said, honestly... I cannot answer that question. He said there are so many things that we know it's out there. We know spiritual, the spiritual world is out there, but humans know so little. He just asked, did that give you any form of comfort in his death? And they said, yes. He said, well, then accept that as a gift from God. Thank him for it. However they understand it, choose to glorify God with it and go to bed, get some sleep, move on and, you know, move on, tackle the next day. And so that's the way, the only way for Christians to really uh, face these questions of the unknown is know that everything they encounter, seen or unseen, is for him or against him. And the real question is, how do you align with him? As long as you have that secure and set, you're able to just accept the fact that we will never have the answers to everything. Yeah. No, I mean, that's that's a great point. I, I tend to err on the side of, 
any of these stories. I mean, I'm not saying that people are making it up or they're delusional. Like, I firmly believe there's enough of the stories where people do experience something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely don't believe it's good. Mm-hmm. Because, especially if it comes out of the death of a family member or something. Because oh, yeah. the Bible's very clear. Mm-hmm. It's just like what you said at the beginning, uh, Zach, is, you know, you die, you go one of two places. Mm-hmm. You don't linger here. No. You go one of two places. You're mm-hmm. either with God the Father mm-hmm. or you're not. Mm-hmm. Um, you're in hell. And so, usually the death of a family member, that's when people are the most vulnerable emotionally and spiritually Mm -hmm. and having you know some kind of illusion of grandma or seeing you know grandma just right out of the corner of your eye cross a door frame that directly goes against biblical teaching Mm -hmm. and that directly goes against the gospel Mm -hmm. so that would be something whatever it is in my opinion at least mm-hmm. trying to pull you away from the truth yeah. of oh well if i just saw the ghost of grandma she's obviously not in heaven so that's wrong right you know what i taught what the bible teaches is clearly false right mm-hmm. and i just say be careful absolutely yep. like it's it's okay to have like if you've seen something like that mm-hmm. i mean I'm, again that's something you experienced i'm not saying you didn't but don't go chasing after that no, no. don't don't mess around with that yeah don't. no yeah and and i will say this especially for people like if you're not a believer um so there's there's a and i think we've even talked about it on the podcast before so there was seven sons of skiva who uh they were jewish uh exorcists and they said they they found a demon possessed guy, and they said by the, the you know by the word of Paul by of Jesus you know we command you to get out of this demon of this man, and the demon possessed man looked at these seven sons of Sceva and he says, Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize, but who are you? And so I say that to a caution. Um, if you're not a believer, uh, be careful what you go and you start poking your nose around because you might just find that there is something else out there and it's wanting to see you uh, trip up and not believe the truth. And if he can get you to believe, and whether it be elves or um, uh, aliens, whatever, he'll get you. And so that's one thing I, I, I would caution people. If and you're not of beings are a lot more powerful yeah, than you yeah, are. Yeah. You, you do yeah. not want to uh, oh, yeah. just tread ca- cautiously yeah. whenever you start talking to people. Um, and cause I remember Robert, I think this one time, cause you watched those, um, uh, those shows of, you know, ghost hunters or whatever. And like, I, I remember you might remember this better than I do. But you said that you watched the episode of this guy who went to this haunted place and um, this voice answered him, you know, because he was like, are you um, a little boy or whatever, or are you something else? Yeah. And the thing answered back and said, I'm something else. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. Nope. Nope. (laughs) Nope. 
Nope. Yep. Yeah, go ahead. And yeah. And like like with these two, if I wasn't clear enough before, like it's almost always something evil. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I remember I was watching a show that show and so um I remember it was a show a, a show specifically about the Queen Mary ship. It was an old vet ship and this uh, psychic was on the ship back in the 90s. It's an old clip. And there were reports of a little girl being seen. And on the tape, and of course, uh, hoping none of this is souped up for ratings on TV, but he was walking through the ship and he asked, you know, calling out through the ship, it was empty, is there a little girl here with us? And you could hear a little vo- you could hear a little girl's voice go, hey. And he's like, you hear? And they started to kind of try to run down the halls, see if they could make it, make noise again. It never did anything beyond that one word. And that footage has gone viral for years since. Well, the the team for this particular show, fast forward to modern day, they go back to the ship, and they're down in the swimming pool, the indoor pool of the ship. And um, not to give anyone nightmares, but now that you brought it up, <laughs> Here um, we go. they had a, a spirit box and... I will say it right now. Don't don't ever feel like you can just go out and do these sorts of things. It's just not healthy. No. It's not smart in the slightest. But um, I remember he was you know, on the show. He was down there, and um, I really I really watched them just to get a view of what the culture is consuming about this stuff. But um, he's down there with the spirit box, and he asks, he calls out into the dark. He's basically like what Zach just said uh, some people are saying you're a little girl some people saying you're something else answer us honestly right now and they didn't hear anything in the moment and then when they went back and played the recording on the spirit box the theory is it would capture something that was inaudible to the natural ear as soon as he asked the question this deep voice goes I'm not and I was like oh gosh no uh uh-uh. uh <laughs> I mean that falls immediately into uh, everything a Christian already understands about the spirit world and yeah. its dangers. And like I said, everything, there could be a, a million different species of something out there, cognitive, intelligent things, but whether they fall for the maker or against him, that's a very, very clear dividing line about, yeah. about everything that's out there. Yeah. And, yeah, they they will, they the evil ones, the ones that are out there, who hate the maker and hate us because we're made in the maker's image. When Satan could not harm God, when he realized God was untouchable, he came after us. We are we are God's heart, God's children. So uh, when these things decided to attack us today, they will, and it's already been said, they'll do everything to distract you from the truth. It doesn't matter what they can make you believe in. If their only goal is to keep you from finding the one exclusive truth, if they can do that, then they've won. Whether they make you think that they're, and Zach's already said it, whether they make you think that there's such thing as elves or fairies or leprechauns, uh, I mean, just anything out there that you can imagine. I mean, honestly, you think about um, alien abductions, to my knowledge, they did not happen uh, they're reported a lot, but they did not start happening until the idea of the alien abduction became common in pop culture. And something intelligent is watching and looking for opportunities to thwart people from the truth. And pray they upon think, it. Pray upon that. And they think, oh, 
here's a society that now believes in this new concept let's dive on it mm-hmm. you know oh there's there's smart to not believe in the supernatural oh yeah we got you aliens yeah. good call oh <laughs> yeah oh yeah let's milk this for all it's worth it'll lead people away from the truth and it has very many times. I mean, and you, you have whole religions now of people who are reinterpreting the entire Bible to, I mean, it sounds crazy, but they take the entire Bible and they reinterpret it with aliens in mind. Oh and, gosh. I mean, yep. I'm not kidding. There are multiple. There's yep. not just one. There's multiple of them out there. Yep. There's actually wow. um, a day and time where the Raelians have sponsored uh, where women can walk around without shirts or bras on. And I'm not kidding. It's definitely uh, something that's promoted by, I think it's the Raelians, which is a UFO religion. Straight up. And, you know, the guys who killed themselves in the 90s, uh, Hellbox Comet and all that, that was a UFO religion. Um, so before you get and laughing and thinking that these things weren't out there, yes, they are. Mm-hmm. And they're distorting the truth. Of the, what, what is the one thing that they're doing? They're attacking, they're reinterpreting Scripture. And it's a, in my knowledge, there's only one side that tries to uh, attack Scripture and reinterpret it, and that is the enemy. Yep. Hmm. Well, um, now that we've given everybody nightmares, uh, <laughs> yeah. hope you all sleep well tonight. No. <laughs> It's fine. Just read the Bible before bed. It will cleanse the soul. Right? Yeah. yeah. So, no. Um, no, we appreciate y'all listening. I uh, hope you had fun with this episode. I know we did. Yeah. This was a blast. Oh, yeah. And I think next episode, if you join us for part two of this, we're going to kind of dive into some of the stories people have when they say that they died and they experienced something. And, and how do you navigate all of those countless stories and there's people who seem completely genuine and there's some who probably get paid a lot of money to tell their story and the story gets a little bit grander every time they tell it. So um, that'll be fun. So hopefully you join us for that. But again, I said it um, at the beginning of the episode, uh, wherever you're listening to us, leave us a like, leave us a rating. Uh, We'd love to hear from you. And uh, yeah, with that, we will see y'all on the next episode. Goodbye. All right, everybody, welcome back uh, to a special bonus episode. Um, this kind of ties into uh, the last episode, um, kind of finishing up uh, our discussion about death. Um, if you listen to that, uh, we hope you enjoyed it. I know we had a lot of fun with it. And we wanted to kind of talk briefly about... You hear a lot of stories about people who die. They're either in an accident, they're clinically, legally pronounced dead, whatever. They may be having surgery. Surgery goes wrong, what have you. There's hundreds of stories. Mm -hmm. And they experience something on the other side. Um, Whether they, it's an out-of-body experience of they're hovering over the operating room and they watch the doctors, whatever, or they actually go to heaven and have a romp with Jesus for 15, 20 minutes and they get shown around and then they're back. And I've never put too much stock in any of those really. Like I, I don't believe really any of them. Not to say that some of them 
the people may genuinely think that they're true, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I personally don't know that I can really put any stock into those stories. Right. So just kind of wanted to get your all's thoughts. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. So one thing that I would always, so uh, trying to think of how to, how to put this. So you have your personal experience that individuals have like you know god uh uses these things to get you to excuse me to believe the truth a lot of times people will focus on those things and whether or not they're true or not i mean that's that's a side thing because i think there are people out there who uh, maybe maybe they did have a five minutes in heaven or five minutes in hell, and it scared them to to you know follow Jesus or what have you. I'm not saying that, but the thing that keep in mind is that um, your experience isn't necessarily for other people, if that makes sense. Like like Jesus dying on the cross like coming into our world dying on the cross that is an objective historically documented for all church people to be able to like know and can research and whether you agree with it whether you think he was G- or God or whether you think like Bert Ehrman like they didn't you know believe God you know whatever you you know that those things are objectively objective claims that you could either say I believe that he literally rose from the dead or didn't um, and that is kind of like objective uh, things that happened historically that we can all use in ministry and I think sometimes in our daily walk we get confused like we want to tell people about our experience but really what we instead of necessarily our experience we should be telling them about the gospel if that makes sense because my experience may not be the same experience that Robert has and it may not be the same experience that Brian has or what have you or I might talk to five different people who have uh, ulterior motives for sharing their experience that does not correlate to the gospel. Um, so that's where I, I, I try to stay. Like, the personal experience, if you have those things, those are for you, okay? Um, if you had a, you know, a vision of heaven or if you had a vision of hell and you're terrified of hell and, and you're legitimately like you don't want to go there you and you believe Jesus and you repent and, and follow Jesus the rest of your life. I mean, yay. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. But at the same time, it's like put yourself in the back seat and let Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection be your main thrust of how you share your ministry. Um, don't let your experience become your main focus. If that makes sense, um, because all too often I feel like we we mismatch those and we focus so much on our experience. Then, like, if you meet somebody who's an atheist or has a different spiritual experience than you do, then you have no grounds 
Yeah. Like, oh, well, your experience is this. Well, my experience is that. And then it's like, well, uh, 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 okay, well, I disagree with you because I think Jesus is true. Where, or Whereas if I focus on the historical reliability of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection and the fact it's historically documented, that is like you can't you can rebuttal my experience and you can choose to not believe those objective history claims but you have to do something with that does that make sense yep and that's where in my head um where i go with that is i think a lot of times if we if we focus too much on the experience good or bad um, I think we, we we do a disservice to the gospel because the gospel is what saves, not my experience. Mm-hmm. And all too often, like, it could be refuted. And there, and let's even get wild and crazy here. Uh, let's not forget that we have an enemy who is trying his darndest. If he can't get your soul, like if you believe in Jesus, he can't get your soul, but he can get your testimony. And here's where I'm going with that. Um, uh, so my parents, my mom and my dad, both passed away. And here, here we go with experience. Um, um, but my parents passed away after shortly after I became a Christian. And I remember I was wrestling with ministry, wrestling with a call to ministry, what I was supposed to do. Um, and I remember I met up with uh, a, a mutual friend. Robert knows who I'm talking about. His name's Terry. Uh, he was the pastor at the time, and he was really helping me through my mother's um, uh, death. And my, my father, I don't think, had passed away yet, um, but my mom had. And we met at Taco Bell, and we were talking. Uh, actually, I take that back. It was after my both my parents were dead, so I apologize about that misconception there. Uh, so both my parents were dead, and I was living with my grandmother. Um, and so we were talking, and the night before... I had had a dream, again, here's my experience, where my mother or some, somebody claiming to be my mother came to me and said it was okay to talk to spirits. Okay, now, a week or two before that, because I was reading my Bible and I was getting you know familiar with what the Bible taught and things like that, I was growing my faith, and it says, do not talk to spirits. It was in the Old Testament. It was like, do not consult with them, do not talk to them. And so then later on, my quote-unquote mother comes and visits me in a dream and says that it's okay. So I knew biblically that it wasn't okay. Um, So my experience was to say, oh, well, this is my mom, so surely she's not going to lead me astray. No, it wasn't my mother. It was something demonic, and it was trying to lead me astray, and it was trying to get me, if it couldn't get my soul to... You know, because I believe the truth, if he can get your testimony to focus on something not biblical, and if you're not fluent in scripture to be able to refute such a thing, then you think it's okay because you have the experience. Like, you see what I'm saying? Like, you're focused on your experience. Well, the experience said that it was okay that I talk to spirits and it's okay. So it's, so then you, you elevate your experience over the Bible. And if you're not careful, that's a very dangerous ground to be on if if you start saying, well, my experience says this, and I'm going to hold on to this, and I'm going to put the Bible aside. So that's one of those dangerous things that um, 
you have to be careful with because there is an enemy who's out there trying to deceive you. And I'll let Robert kind of give his two cents. Oh, no, yeah. Uh, in total agreement with Zach that there's an enemy out there to deceive you. And one of the big um, little gold standards I always use when I look at these uh, stories of near-death experience, you know, I went to heaven for this many minutes and I came back. If they have, and maybe Brian touched on this already, if they have something to gain monetarily and it makes them famous to all the right people, there is a definite reason, first of all, to think that they probably made the story up. Uh, it doesn't take too much genius to think, yeah, I saw my family, I saw Jesus. You read three, four, five, six of them, which is kind of a waste of time, but you start to see the same kind of generic cliche themes, like anything you'd expect somebody in heaven to see, especially when you look at some of the imagery. I've noticed um, a lot of times, instead of biblical imagery, they'll give you pop culture imagery. In the last episode, we talked about this you know, super hyper-spiritual, cloudy version of heaven. This, yeah, I went up to this pearly gate, and it was made out of pearls, and there was clouds everywhere. And so it's, it sounds more like a medieval painting than New Jerusalem. But, um, you know, take one step back. There's the ones that are faking it. But then you take a step back, there might be those who are sincere. But like Zach said, who's to say that something demonic isn't trying to get you to believe in something that is false? Somehow, something spiritual might know that you're going to come back, like you're going to be resuscitated. They can somehow sense that you're, it's not a permanent death. You're going to come back. What better time to toy with you? than when you are literally hanging by a thread of life. Um, there's a theory that, you know, maybe your spirit literally leaves the body. Maybe it's just perception. Um, but I do remember one, and again, it could have been a total fib to become famous, but I do remember one man, um, it, he gave a testimony on YouTube that he was clinically dead from a drug overdose, and he said in his, according to his story, his experience, he was laying there and he became disembodied just in time to start hearing some sweet voices calling his name. And uh, he was in a hospital room. He remembers looking down on himself, floating towards the door to follow these voices. And there were all these people outside. Like it was just the whole hallway was just flooded with people. And they were saying, come with us, come with us. And the more he refused the more adamant and the less sweet they got until all of a sudden they were attacking him, clawing at him, cursing him, saying, come with us or else. They said, we're dragging you to hell. You can't fight back on this. And uh, he managed to get away from them, and he remembers waking up in the hospital bed, resuscitated. And he said he's personally convinced that those actually were demons that did not expect him to come back. They were trying to coax him into... Uh, that like he, he they thought he was free reign whether that's true or not that gives you this idea that well maybe something wicked was really chasing after him and it opened his eyes and even if it was just um, an hallucination of some kind you know some brain chemically induced hallucination that still brought him to Jesus so thank God for that yeah. so but uh, the biggest takeaway from those I would say uh, if, there, if there's any sincerity in them, 
And a lot of it really is just for money and attention. I don't doubt that for a second. I wasn't born yesterday. But, uh, but, uh, if any of those are true, then that gives, uh, people, and I said this about the paranormal last episode, it gives people a doorway of opportunity to discuss the fact that there is something beyond ourselves out there. The, no matter how mysterious your experience may have been, um, it does open up the, the conversation that, you know, we do exist beyond physical death. Um, I've had apologists, those are people who defend the faith. They've said that there are credible accounts of people clinically dying for a short season after brain function has ceased. These people, if they were sincere, they claimed to have consciousness and they were able to, they would be lying dead in a, in a room and they would be able to report conversations that were happening amongst their family down the hallway during this time. And so it gives this concept of what if, and I'm just playing the imagination game, what if so they, we were somehow able to be disembodied enough to hear that and then return because God knew that we weren't going to be permanently deceased. It was a, a temporary resuscitation. And I mentioned it in the last episode, too. Paul talks about the fact that, you know, we're not supposed to live without our shell, our, our tent. And so we, are, we long to return to that tent someday, talking about our physical bodies. But it, the whole thing is kind of a question mark, but you've always got to look out for demonic influence and the human scam artist. They will get you. They want to sell their books. They want to get on late-night Christian cable network. They want to do all the things that is being said, and especially once the first person came up with the idea of, oh, may, I was in this tragic accident. I can say that I went to heaven, and then all of a sudden everybody else wants to go to heaven. Mm -hmm. And when you get four, five, six different cliche testimonies that all contradict each other, that should be a massive red flag to anybody mm -hmm. who, who claims to have experienced what they say they did. And, and I would point out also, going back to kind of like the people, like, because you, I remember there was there was a, a talk show that would regularly host um, a psychic um, who's, she's passed away now. She was, she was old back in the day and she passed away probably early, I maybe even say mid-2000s. Um, but, you know, it was, it was interesting, like, how how these people these psychics they play the game um some things that you have to I mean like you never notice that there's um all, there's huge crowds always around them and they always throw out fishing questions like oh i'm i'm feeling a connection with a paul paul I'm feeling a connection with a Paul, a Paul. Mel, uh, then they'll they'll stop because they're not getting a Paul. They're like a male figure, someone who's passed away recently, and like these are all open-ended, like like manipulative, like. And if you're like someone who lost somebody recently, I mean, if you have 300 people in a auditorium and you're having a special guest so guest speaker 
and there's 300 people, I guarantee you one of them has lost a close family member who might be male. You have one in one out of two chances of somebody passing away being male. I mean, so it's like, and so they, they, they feed on this information, and they're like, oh, yeah, he just, he wants you to know, like, there's a conflict. Was there a conflict? There was a conflict that you guys had. And then they're like, no, and then, like, well, I'm sensing a conflict. Maybe a female presence? And then somebody else chimes, I had a conflict with my mother. And, and next thing you know, well, it's like, and then, so there's two now. And so and so they're so manipulative and they just and they're just out to get your money. They're out to get they're out to sell books because that's the thing is I don't know what she did before she was on that talk show, but then she started releasing book after book after book after book after book after book. I mean, this was an older lady who, you know, had a wig on and it was a clear wig, but I'm just saying. And then next thing you know, she had all these books that were coming out. And it's like, yeah, pretty sure you're just, you're using the crowd, you're using fishing techniques to stage, like, information grabs. And they're always vague, and it's like, oh, well, there's this conflict, or he just wants you to know that he's at peace now. It's okay. He's sorry. Yeah, it's not a big deal. There's no one, like, actually, he hates your gut still. And, he tell, and he's hoping that you come join him in hell. There's none of that. I mean, there's no, like, it's all, like, it's all comfort stuff. It's all, like, oh, well, he just wants you to know that it's okay, that he's not upset with you anymore. So, yeah. You can forgive yourself now. Yeah, you he can wants, forgive, yeah. yeah, he wants yeah. you to be happy now. Yeah. He wants you to focus on, you focused on him for so much, for so long. He now time to focus, focus on, on you. you. And yeah. and we and and see that's the thing we will buy into that hook line and sinker all the day. anything that tells us oh well you're okay and don't worry about it it's okay it's fine the conflict's resolved you who doesn't want to hear that who doesn't want to have an argument who's had an argument with their spouse or somebody and like they wish more than anything that they could take back their last words who doesn't wish that when somebody passes away oh yeah i mean that is just straight up like demonic i mean honestly oh, yeah. really i mean you want to talk about stuff like that i mean that that is a predator who is literally just trying to milk your personal emotions and vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Now, you can maybe argue that some pastors do that stuff like that, and I'm not necessarily saying that they don't. Like, you know, like, um, like there's a tragedy that happens, and and he gets up to share the gospel, you know, and quote unquote, and you know, and and he takes this time to talk about this, that, and everything else underneath the sun that has nothing to do with the service, has nothing to do with your person who passed away. I mean, you know, there is a way that you can tactfully talk about the gospel and things like that and segue into a service. But still, you get my, I mean, there there are those on both sides of the fence that can manipulate people. And so I'm not trying to say that there's not Christians out there who don't do those things also. But at the end of the day, you just have to call a spade a spade and deception deception and if there is a pastor out there doing those kind of like things or where he is feeding off people and he is trying to manipulate people 
that's not that's not what God calls us to do and calls us to be either. Uh, he wants us to be the salt and light, and He wants us to be able to mourn with those who mourn. You know, mm-hmm. it's okay to to miss your lo- loved ones, but don't don't feed people false hope. Don't feed people platitudes like, hmm. oh well, <clears throat> you know, you know the cat was you know a heathen and he was driving drunk and had no intention of repenting and going to heaven and everyone's like oh well he's in heaven now god understood you know he knew his heart yeah no, yeah he knew not, his heart it's not pretty <laughs> <laughs> yeah he knows your heart too he knows mine but i mean and and and, and that's really a, a side note and i apologize for going off on that but uh just just be wary whenever people say because it, it's it's the same it's the reason why god said back in the old testament do not consult with the necromancers do not consult with the spiritists it's not because they're actually talking to those people it's because they have a way and and maybe there is some sort of demonic activity but beside from that they have a way to where you're actually looking to the spiritist people instead of looking to god because what god wants you to do is he wants you to look to him he wants you to look to his word he wants you to learn what the Bible says, what the truth is, so that it can then govern your life. <clears throat> and what these people, whether they're on TV, they're on the phone lines, call me at this number and I'll tell you your future, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Even though you for get, $40 a minute. Yeah, oh, yeah. even <laughs> though you get five years down the, the road, she gets busted for tax evasion, super which she couldn't, she couldn't <laughs> foresee her own future. You know, yeah. I'm just throwing out that, darling. Uh, yeah, that's a reference. Um, but the whole point in that is God wants you to look to Him to be your guide, not people who quote unquote talk to spirits or quote unquote can see to the other side, because those people are just out to get you. And it's not, you know, I mean, it's anybody can fall for it. Was it mm-hmm. Robert? Was it you who was telling a story? Um, uh, several episodes ago about there was an account of a pastor who lost a son oh, yeah, yeah. and kind of went crazy and started yeah. turning to the occult and started turning to like Ouija boards and mediums and stuff. Yeah. And for those who may not have heard the episode short version of the story, this man, you know, he had dedicated his life to preaching the gospel of Jesus. And then when his son passed, like Brian said, he started trying to turn to the occult to try to reach out to him. It's like as soon as it, as long as it was theoretical, he was okay preaching about the teacher from Galilee, the light of the world, the one who take away the sin of the world. And as soon as pain actually became a reality for him, boom! It's like he lost all faith and hope in it. All of that went out the window. It all went out the window. There's no Nazarene strong enough to carry me. I need some lady in pearls and a robe. Yeah. And they, he started reaching out to try and contact the spirit of his son. Something came through, claimed to be his son, and was very quick to tell him that, quote-unquote, the whole Jesus thing was a fluke. And as soon as the spirit that was supposed to be his son told him that, he just gave up the ministry. He's like, well, if my dead son has been there and has seen the fact that there's no such thing as Jesus, then I'm not going to preach Jesus anymore. And I've got to hear that story and think that that man had to have been a non-believer who fell into the religion trap. 
he wanted to preach but had no concept of what it really means to follow Christ because for you to have studied Scripture enough to preach it faithfully, assuming he had, maybe his preaching was terrible. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Cliches, but uh, wrapped together. But knowing that, you know, everything that's in the Christian worldview, there is something out there that hates you and me. There is something out there that haunted Jesus out in the wilderness. There is something that enticed Judas to betray Jesus. There was something uh, possessing the townspeople until they met Jesus. And to know that these things are out there and they will deceive you and that the occult was directly against the word of God and to immediately start to consult it and believe it hook, line, and sinker as soon as his heart started to get in the, the emotional side of loss started to get in the way of his rational thought. I, I can't imagine how a genuinely saved person could immediately fall for that so very quickly. Maybe I'm wrong in that, but I just don't see him really getting it the way that he claimed to. I mean, just yeah. the fact that pain can make you so blind, it should be a warning for every last one of us. Mm-hmm. And I guess going back to these stories of um, these people who die and they go to heaven and they see things like, I think I told you guys this offline um, when we were kind of talking about prepping for this episode, but... <sighs> I get, and I'm not trying to discredit or discount anybody's personal experience if you have had that, but I guess in my in my brain thinking about it, if I'm my mortal limited mind, and I were to die, and I were to see the grandeur of heaven, and you look upon the face of God, you look upon the face of Jesus, even for a second to be in heaven and then for that to be ripped away and being back here. Yeah. I can't imagine being right after that or number one, I can't believe that God would be cruel to let you experience that Mm -hmm. and then bring you back here. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm not saying he's not capable of doing that. I'm just saying, I think that would be very cruel yeah. To basically give somebody the most amazing thing ever and then rip it away. Yeah. You know, like that. I, I, I just don't I just don't believe God would be cruel and he's incapable of being cruel, and I think that's just a really cruel thing. But I also don't think the human psyche because we're meant to look upon the face of God in our kind of perfected form, mm-hmm. I don't think the human psyche could even withstand seeing heaven Ooh. like i mean i don't, and I don't know correct me if if, if my well, belief's I mean, wrong on that well but... i will say a lot of times <clears throat> like when people like i mean i think I, i'm reminded of moses like where moses god's like you can't look at me because if you look at me you'll die yeah um so immediately in my i mean granted you're, you're that is somebody who is physical on this earth, it's, you know, still with God coming to see them versus someone who's supposedly died and going to heaven for a moment. So that's somebody who's temporarily spirit and not physical. Yeah. So, I mean, there may be yeah. something there. I don't know. But again, I mean, this goes back to what I was saying is like, I just, I, I'm very cautious of stuff like that because there are so many people who are just doing it to get some follows. Yeah. Just to sell some books. Yep. 
So and God forgive them for manipulating people for their own gain like that mm-hmm. in his name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean maybe there are people out there who legitimately have these experiences and it legitimately transforms them. And I would say, and this goes back to what I was saying earlier. Well, if that's the case, if if you are now sold out for Jesus, let Jesus be your focus, not your experiences. Let the let the life, death, burial, and yeah. resurrection be your focus. Like if you died and you went to hell for five minutes and you were like, "Oh God, please get me out of this," and He literally gets you out of it. Then and he brings you back here, and you're now living for him, and you're truly doing that. That's amazing. That's amazing. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. But preach the gospel. Yeah. Your experience isn't necessarily the gospel, so preach the gospel. Yeah. 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 And that's the focus of it is I saw this and I saw that, and people just want to ooh and awe it. And Jesus is a character, and I've said this before. I compare Jesus to Mickey Mouse when you look at how people like want to iconize, iconize him, but. He shows up like Mickey at Disney World. He like shakes your hand, says hello before you move on to Grandma. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. all about him. Like you'll see your family there, but once you come to him, it's. Uh, it's I mean, the real God. It, everything would just melt away in his presence. Um, now, before we land the plane, I think I know the perfect place to go for the last couple of minutes. Mm-hmm. The most famous near-death experience. In all of history, and it was legitimate, and we know nothing about it because God didn't want us to. Lazarus. Oh. Uh-huh. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one thing that always confused me was, not confused me in the sense I don't know what's going on, but confused me in the sense of I can't comprehend what people think other than just sin. Because this man is dead for four days. His best friend is God Almighty in the flesh. Comes back, um, comes back to his town, heals him from the grave raises him at the the word of his mouth now the focus of the story of course is jesus's power to raise and that enough is alone but oh man to live that and to be in town with him and to have been seen lazarus you know sitting at the table having fun with everyone after rising again and the pharisees that witnessed this their first reaction is we got to kill him his testimony is too intense (laughs) are you serious but I can't, unless it's not recorded, I can't believe nobody thought to just ask him what the heck was it like for four days. You know, I wouldn't be surprised. It's like, you know, I could tell you, but God told me not to. I could totally see that. Because, I mean, whenever there was the instance in the in the book of Revelation where, you know, John is getting all these things... And he was told, leave and he this was told out. to leave this out. And what did he do? He left it out. Yeah. So it could even be like God, you know, Jesus calls Lazarus out of the grave, come out, and as soon as, and he's like, take the ro- you know, take the the linens off of him, and like, come on, and he just kind of leans over to Lazarus, and he goes, don't talk about it. This is between us. This is between us. Don't mention. Anything. Well, Jesus did Today. that several times. Yeah. There were several miracles where Jesus himself said, this is between us, right? Yeah. yeah. yeah don't tell. And yeah. just tell no one. Yeah. And that was, 
I mean, he knew his reasons, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. those people, I think they knew the gravity of it, yeah. of uh, this is one thing we better obey. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and if he wouldn't do who Jesus was, it was Lazarus. He's like, man, I just died. I know who Jesus really is, and he's telling me not to talk about it, so I ain't talking about it. But, yeah. but dude, you don't understand. I could hear, I could hear Peter. I could hear Peter right now. Be like, but, but, but you were there four days. You were in the grave four days. What happened? He's like, I could tell you, and I'd have to kill you. <laughs> I mean, t- t- take it up with him, because <laughs> I ain't telling you. Um, yeah, that's 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 a good point. I hadn't thought about the Lazarus story from that perspective. That's yeah. Which, I mean, come on. It's got to be chosen season four. <laughs> yeah. That, right? Exactly. You know they're building up to that. Oh, you know four. it. Yeah, because they already introduced Lazarus, yep. and they played a hacky sack game, yep. and they established that their childhood friends. And it's coming. By the way, anybody out there, if you have not watched The Chosen, it's a command. What are you doing with your life? Why, why is life so lame for you? Go have a party and watch The Chosen. It's free. There's an app. Yep. It, no ads. No ads. It's literally just search the chosen, and you can watch the whole thing for free on there. I, I, the the lead pastor of my church, who's recently left, we started an inside joke that I told him he has until the end of this calendar year. He if he hasn't seen every single episode, I'm going to get some members of his new church together, and they're going to boot him out so he can come back here as revenge because <laughs> he refuses to watch it. He thinks it's going to be cheesy, and I swear it's not. It is so good. I mean, there are some biblical shows and movies that are just full of cringe. Oh, and I'm the first to say so. It's just yeah, the to the movie. The Chosen is amazing. Unbelievable. And if by any means, Dallas Jenkins, you are hearing this, <laughs> if you want to deposit $25,000, I'm just kidding. <laughs> On the next episode, our special guest. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that would be cool. Our special guest host. Uh, no. We're... we're <laughs> We're on site of the the chosen season four filming. Wow, <laughs> we're not. But. Or you know, if you want to, you know, I'll just like if you ha- if anyone happens to be listening to this and happens to know Dallas Jenkins, he has any connections. He might you know get a giggle out of what we talk about. <laughs> Nah, but uh, anyway, thanks for listening. Uh, um, well, before I do that, anybody have any last closing thoughts on the subject? Or uh, For me, it's just uh, one more quick reminder. The focus of Lazarus was not his experience. It was the fact that Jesus can raise. Yeah. If you don't have him, get him. And any other questions are going to be solved in time as long as you have a relationship with him. I want to emphasize that no matter what before we close. Yeah, and I would just, again, caution. Uh, same with last time. It's like we start peeling out back layers of of the supernatural, and it, it sparks the interest. And just be careful, like especially if you're not a believer. Yeah. Just be careful what you choose don't seek (laughs) yeah yeah don't don't seek the 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 supposed light Hmm. because that's one thing that you have to keep in mind satan you know we always picture satan as the guy who's got the horns and he's red and he's got the pitchfork or whatever that's not that's not satan Mm -mm. satan all right are you ready for it here's the biblical understanding of satan satan is a beautiful angel that 
poses as light, and he's actually dark. And so, didn't doesn't the Bible say that he was God's favorite? Like he yeah, was yeah. like the yeah. most beautiful angel. Yeah. yeah, he was the head before. He yeah, came. yeah. So like, so all the depiction, and and I understand, like whenever you watch like um, uh, the Passion, and you see this pale figure that uh, with a cloak, but that's not Satan. Satan masquerades as an angel of light, and one of the greatest things that he does is he tricks people into thinking that they're chasing the light when in fact they're actually not they're just chasing uh another shade it's like a it's a lighter shade of gray but it's still dark Mm -hmm. um because only god is light and only god is pure and only god is holy and Mm -hmm. just and and right and white if you can not like in the sense of like (laughs) Oh jeez, Caucasian Satan. <laughs> not in the sense of Caucasian. No, not sounds like a way. rap album. <laughs> <laughs> but in the sense of uh, of um, virtue, if that makes sense. Um, but Satan masquerades as an angel of light. So just just be very very cautious, mm-hmm. and and don't start poking around in things that you do not understand, yeah. because you might just get an answer, and it might be an answer that terrifies you. Yep. All right. Well, thanks everybody. Uh, I think we're gonna wrap up our death series at least for now. Um, we might uh, revisit if we have some other topics later on. But uh, yeah, hope you enjoyed. I know we did. Um, leave us a like. Leave us a review wherever you're listening to us, and we will uh, talk to y'all next time. We'll see you. So.